Master Yoda. Young Skywalker. I'm ending all of this. The tree, the text, the Jedi. I'm gonna burn it down. live under a rock, but you probably also are not familiar with the discourse that is happening between fans. Rian Johnson's Last Jedi that premiered December 2017 has been mixed in its reviews. Here is where I would put a clip of some complete mouth breather going off about how Rey is a Mary Sue, but I tried watching a one minute of Ben Shapiro's review and I had to just exit out, so. But it's bad. Use your imagination or your Google account. A lot of people, like myself, thought it was probably the best Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back, but a vast, vast, vast majority of people think it's the worst thing to ever happen to the Star Wars universe to begin with. But why do we take Star Wars so seriously? What is it about this admittedly very goofy story that people have latched onto and found themselves in? And why was it such an insult to see a newer take on it when you've been a fan your entire life? I can't really speak on the nostalgia factor of Star Wars for reasons I will go into later in the episode, but but luckily I, like all nerds, have a lot of nerd friends, and they have graciously agreed to come on and speak to us about it, so without further ado, let's just drop right in to the point where I realize I should probably start recording and have them introduce themselves to you. Um, but I wanted to talk about Star Wars in particular because of a lot of the backlash the new trilogy is getting and kind of um, because it is such a beloved cultural item, uh, kind of looking at how its legacy is going to be impacted in the ways of which how it's been ad well, in the ways in which it's going to be adapted and created and expanded upon in the new universe when it just started in the 70s as like some random film guys like vision but now is becoming so much bigger and um i specifically wanted to talk about the less jedi because it seemed to be one of the more controversial ones probably since uh empire strikes back if i'm to be believed about fan history um but people really fucking hate this movie like rian johnson's gotten death threats and people have gotten so angry but the other people like i mean i know for me eden and i think actually the majority of the people in this conversation like we really liked it and um so I thought what would be cool is you guys could just go around and kind of say like what your history with Star Wars is, both as a fan, as a, I don't know, academic if you want, um, but more just kind of like what your relationship to it is as a medium, but also as part of your life. So whoever wants to go first can. Oh God. <laughs> I, I joined the conversation first, so I guess I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I guess not to show my age or anything, but I did, uh, I saw the original Star Wars 
just Star Wars in the theater uh, mm-hmm. at the tender age of four in a uh, little two-screen theater in Lexington, Virginia, um, and pretty much have been a fan ever since. Uh, you know, it's I can definitely say it's you know played a big influence of my in my life. I don't know if you can really see behind me, but you know, uh, just just a little bit of a eh. There's more GI <laughs> Joe there than Star Wars because the Star Wars collection's sort of in disarray right now. But it's been a significant part of my life for all but four years of it, you know. So, um, so yeah, definitely say I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, and you're Howard, by the way, just so everybody yes, knows. Yes, Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, y'all. <laughs> um, that's funny that you saw your first Star Wars movie when you were four. I also saw my first Star Wars movie when I was four, but it was The Phantom Menace. <laughs> um, my dad took me to a midnight premiere, and I was four, but I stayed awake the whole time. I was four, so I didn't really get that it sucked. I was just kind of like, this looks visually so cool, and... I got super into it, and he was like, if you think this is good, you should watch the originals. And, like, over the course of a weekend, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, we, like, sat down every night and watched one of the original trilogy movies, and I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I had action figures. I had video games. There are posters in my room. Like, I go to premieres, like, three times in one night. I'm, I love Star Wars, man. <laughs> um. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, um, I'm Robert, by the way. Um, I guess my experience, first experience with Star Wars started with the VHS copies in full screen, uh, unaltered, it just lying on the floor in the, in the living room, just watching those like over and over again. I mean, I think the only VHSs that got more play in my house were probably uh, Disney Hercules and Anastasia, Don Bluth. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, oh, a bat. lot of my memories from Star Wars are not theatrical. It's sitting on the floor, enjoying the hell out of uh, New Hope was always my favorite, mm-hmm. um, and it's very meaningful to me. I'm not much into the collecting the memorabilia stuff, but it's interesting. Uh, it kind of follows my uh, growth as somebody that consumes media. You know, when I was a big Star Wars fan as a kid. But then about 10 years ago in junior high, when I started getting more into film and film history and film criticism, I started going back and finding all the influences in Star Wars, the Kurt Sawas, the Flash Gordons, the Buck Rogers, and, you know, and, and kind of like this, especially The Last Jedi, I, I, it was something I enjoyed both as a Star Wars geek, as a little kid, my inner little kid, and as somebody who really enjoys and loves film as a medium. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I'm kind of the outlier among you three. Uh, my parents weren't really into science fiction. The uh, My mom, <laughs> sorry mom, she's not gonna listen to this, but I only know that she went to go see the first Star Wars like high on acid and it was like too much for her. And so <laughs> she, uh, like she went to- the, fucking hate it, man. Yeah, she it went to the- It was too real, man. It was too real. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, she went to like the the theater that her family friend owned in like this tiny Texas town, and it was it was too much. And my dad never really got into it. Like they were never really big fantasy or science fiction people, but I was as a kid. Um, but everyone liked it so much that it kind of became a badge of honor to have said like, "Well, I've never seen it," uh, even though I still played like Jedi with my friends and made a musical version of Star Wars with my friends on video that's somewhere hidden in the depths of my parents' house. Um, but so I kind of got into Star Wars when the new trilogy was coming out, which is kind of why I wanted to talk about like the nostalgia factor for it, because I was coming into it more as an adult who was like, okay, this is an American thing and I have to see Star Wars movies and film like in the theaters because I am an American and this is what Americans do. Uh, and I have to be a part of this culture. And I really liked it. And then um, I had always, always liked Carrie Fisher as a person because of her openness, like talking about mental health and stuff. And um, I had always had like kind of depression and like these OCD issues coming um, as a kid. And so reading her stuff and being like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever I want. It was uh, really nice. And then I got super depressed in college and spent an entire weekend watching all of them. Um, and then she died like two weeks after that. Oh my God, I mourned that day. I was in such. We a were bad together, mood. Eden. What's wrong with you? I was like, Carrie Fisher died today. What do you think is wrong? Eden, with we you? were together. We were like the day before. We were talking about how she banged Harrison Ford, and then the next day she died. Well, and then <laughs> yeah. her mom, like, what a day or two later. Yeah, and Debbie died a day later. It was way too much. I was yeah. like, this year just needs to end. Yeah. yeah, that was just a horrible freaking year. But, but it was weird because, like, Star Wars became this thing that I started leaning on to, like, when I was really depressed. It was just this really happy thing that made me happy. And I just, I really kind of identified with at least the image that Carrie Fisher was, like, promoting of being, like, yeah, be, like, un unapologetically like yourself and be messy and, like, all this other stuff. And then, of course, she passes away. And then I was like, I need to watch all of them again and again and again. Um, and also, the I really kind of am jealous that I didn't get to have Rey as a child. Like, I, I know everyone kind of my age really bonded with Hermione, but I really kind of wish I had Rey because she she's just... Leia was my Rey, for yeah. sure. But, um... Absolutely. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Yeah, so that, that, that was my kind of long thing but I guess um so speaking as lifelong fans who have been kind of in the fandom more I I came into it a little later um so I don't have as strong of a reaction to the new movies I really like them um but we'll, I was we'll forgive you thank you well not like the sequel the sequel trilogy not the prequel trilogy uh but why do you think that The Last Jedi was so controversial when it came out um I guess I'll start I mean I, it's been a, like 2017 was a hell of a year for disappointments watching a bunch of people that were high on a pedestal being torn down by their own uh, by their own actions and and I think might have contributed to like how Luke was portrayed as somebody broken as somebody worn down with guilt over a past action and people didn't really want to see that at that time and place and they had this image of what they wanted Luke Skywalker to be for 30 years and they didn't just didn't get it and they were kind of uh, very upset about that. Yeah. I actually hadn't considered that uh, but I can see that now. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I mean when I first saw it of course I didn't grow up with it and I don't really have a base of a reference point for what would be similar to me I guess but 
yeah, I, I didn't really consider that, oh, this would kind of be a slap in the face to someone's childhood to see Luke like this. I was kind of like, <laughs> I really like what they did with this character because one of the things I like about yeah. Millennial Star Wars is that it does kind of, and that's what I, call, I just call it Millennial Star Wars, um, is that it <gasps> does kind of play with the idea of these heroes that you had aren't perfect. And that's how I feel yeah. a lot about baby boomers, honestly. Um, if we're going to make that kind of analogy, I do feel like it is a cool movie if you think about it in that way. It's like this new generation of people whose lives have been fucked up by the previous generation trying to do their best, but failing, and then having to lead this revolution on a shoestring budget with absolutely no experience and just kind of like on a whim and a prayer. like. Ray's entire arc of being like, uh, I don't know, I guess I can try, like, it kind of resonates with a lot of um, what people are feeling. And I, I really appreciated that about her. But um, I never really thought about it from the point of view of, oh, these are childhood idols that needed to yeah. be this, fulfill this arc or else it's going to destroy my life. Like, I kind of forgot that aspect of Star Wars. But did you guys... I like that BB... Oh, sorry. I was going to say if you guys felt that way, but go ahead and say what, what about BB-8? Uh uh, uh, oh, not BBA. I was talking about that that baby boomer angle, like oh, you repeating yeah. the old history, the old um, characters as baby boomers, because it kind of reminded me of uh, a series. Movie Bob did a Bob Chipman did a series of videos about the Last Jedi and how, how much he loved it, and he, he compared Luke, especially in those opening scenes on Octo, to an aging hippie. Yeah, I thought that was yeah, that, yeah. that image in my mind stuck with me. Yeah. I think my initial disappointment comes from like what I wanted like out of this and maybe what I wanted for this new trilogy wasn't stuff that was going to help the storyline progress, but I still, I don't know. I feel like I kind of had to mourn it after I saw it. I was like, that wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't what I was expecting or wanting. So I need to get over what I thought was going to happen and kind of just like watch this again with fresh eyes. And Honestly, I've seen it a lot. I've seen it like 10 times. (laughs) And I think the more that I've removed myself for it, the more that I can appreciate it for what it is. But yeah, I think that just kind of like, there's so many things being brought back now, like that were popular so long ago, like Star Wars, uh, maybe Blade Runner, they're bringing back Indiana Jones, like they're redoing all these TV shows. And it's like, there's so much pressure, I think, to meet everybody's expectations for the things that they were nostalgic for. But I don't think directors or filmmakers particularly care. They're just like, I want to make something good. And I think that's why a lot of people were turned off at first. But if you can get over that and just watch it and take it for what it is and not what you wanted it to be, it's better. It's a lot better. Yeah, it's. I think we were kind of talking about it on your Facebook post, Robert, a bit, where it was like, um, the difference between like what fan fan service and like narrative service of like what's good for the movie and the arc and the characters and what's like what the fans want to fulfill their own kind of thing and it's like well is that the point of fan fiction or should we be more fan servicey like where's the line and that's I think where a lot of the criticism about Last Jedi got caught up and then again like why I didn't understand it was because I didn't have that nostalgia I didn't have these expectations for what I wanted Luke Skywalker and Leia and Han to be like I just I mean we watched it do you remember being in film society Rob? 
Hey, me again. Um, so just quick aside, Film Society was a club that me and my friend Crystal started in high school that Robert was a part of, and basically we all just hung out and ate food and like had little mini high school parties and watched movies, but then we met every Thursday morning in the Algebra 1 teacher's room to talk about like cinematography and make it sound super serious, so. Yes, yes, I remember those. <laughs> and watching it, uh, A New Hope, it. with uh, Ryan and like everybody, and that was the first time I had watched it, but like I didn't I have... I was there for that one. Huh? Oh, I yeah. I think I was there for that one. But um, we, uh, that was the first time I watched it, so I didn't have this connection to them, so when I saw them kind of being deconstructed as like these old hippies, or like this like mom who's... Yeah. Leia as kind of like a struggling mom, like in a weird marriage, was kind of... I think kind of cool, but I can see how people who have been like Han and Leia since 1977 could be like, that's bullshit, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And that's the thing is that it's not like, I think where the force awakens introduces them as like on their separate ways. Like they don't, they're, they've had their ups and downs like that makes so much sense narratively. But as a fan, I was like, fuck, I wanted them to like have worked things out. And <laughs> it's just, it's my own, like stuff that I need to get over, but yeah. The, um, well, Luke, Lucasfilm. I don't know if they really shot themselves in the foot, or I mean, when they made the really big decision to. Okay, I'm gonna turn around real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, you see all those books behind me? Oh yeah, to that's cut the cannon. The, the yeah. That's the original expanded universe of Star Wars. Um, there's over a hundred maybe over 200 books out there. Uh, and Lucasfilm, once they were acquired by Disney, and Disney had nothing to do with this, but Lucasfilm made the decision to ditch the expanded universe because if they had, if they had uh, kept the original expanded universe and stuck The Force Awakens in uh, the timeline where it happened, that would have been right at the end of what was the Yuzon Vong War, and they would have had to explain how Chewbacca died. Uh, and yeah. you can't you can't sit there and uh, have your fan. Well, what happened between Return of the Jedi and this film? You can't sit there and tell people. Well, here's eighty some odd books. Read and catch up. You can't do that. Yeah. So. They yeah. did leave a And I think that actors returning wouldn't have necessarily wanted to follow those storylines. Like, Harrison oh, Ford would not have wanted to do it. Like, he wouldn't have signed on for a trilogy. Like, I think a one and done was right up his alley. Harrison That's Ford signed on because he wanted yeah. to kill Han Solo. Right. Yeah, he wanted to like, kill Han Solo. Like, he wouldn't have agreed to, like, the whole expanded universe. He would have been like, I'm so done with this, guys. Yeah. He wanted to kill Han Solo after uh, Empire, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they left him out for him. Which but, is also, uh, and I mean, this is, I, and I'm going to, Eden and I are going to dip into this later more, but, like, I think that's also part of the reason I don't get all of the Kylo Ren hate, is because I'm like, we knew this was coming. Like, Harrison Ford wasn't going to just, like, pop in and be in the rest of the movies. Like, that always, no. I don't know. Like, so when that happened, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I gasped, but then I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. I mean. I knew he was only doing one Night movie. Night of Drivers. Adam Driver is, is fucking fantastic. I love Adam Driver. I just want to say this. Like, Sorry. I, for one, am very happy that Adam Driver is Ben Solo because my type has always been kind of tall and goofy looking. <laughs> and now it's 
becoming the spotlight and I just am like yes I want to see more men who look like Adam Driver and I think that's also kind of a gendered thing about The Last Jedi and kind of the new trilogy as a whole is it's very female gazy. Stuck up half-witted scruffy looking nerf herder. So when I said female gaze, what I was referring to was the 1975 essay by film critic Laura Mulvey, Visual Pleasure and Narrative Cinema. And what she argues in the essay is that film as itself kind of takes the standpoint and point of view of the heterosexual male in the ways that it, quote, reflects, reveals, and even plays on the straight, socially established interpretation of sexual difference, which controls images, erotic ways of looking, and spectacle. It is helpful to understand the what the cinema has been, how its magic has worked the past, while attempting a theory and practice which will challenge the cinema of the past." End quote. She goes on to use psychoanalytic theory and theories of phallocentricism and manifestations of it and how it relates to the creation of visuals in film. Um, and I'm going to go into it more in depth, but what I was arguing was essentially it does that but from a female perspective. Hashtag Ben Swallow. Everything that has transpired has done so according to my design. Um, in a way that a lot of men don't like. Oh, whoa, yeah. Not just talking I mean, about like the Ben Swallow thing, but like, it's very much, <clears throat> you don't see Ray sexualized at all. Like, you just, you see things more from her perspective and kind of understand, like, <laughs> you see a lot of the things, yeah, like, I mean, the Ben Swallow thing's really funny, but... That kind of started in the first it's movie. In the really natural look compared to like the prequel trilogy, Natalie Portman was always really done up. Like her costumes were always really pretty. Like her makeup, her hair, and Ray is so stripped down. Like hair up in a bun, really minimalistic makeup. Yeah. She... Well, that's also a, a a symptom of their station too. She was a princess and a senator, and yeah. Ray Ray is is nobody from nowhere. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Nothing. Thank goodness. Yeah. Oh, I was so happy. I, I know. Happy. Let's talk about that, too, because that was a really nobody. big thing. Do you want to know the truth about your parents? Or have you always known? Are you just hidden it away? You know the truth. Say it. Say it. They were nobody. They were filthy junk traders who sold you off for drinking money. <laughs> the dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert. You have no place in this story. You come from nothing. You're nothing. Um, did, how did you guys react to the fact that Ray didn't have parents? Um, Adam Driver being related to the, like, Skywalker solos was enough. Like, people trying to pull, like, oh, she's a Kenobi, she's a Palpatine. Like, it was just way too much. I, I don't know why people got themselves so worked up. It's so much cooler that she's nobody. We it's, already have people connected to the older characters. They're yeah, I mean, trying to make uh, Finn related to Lando Calrissian, okay? Yeah, this is like Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I go... I mean, the trilogy, the, the universe has always been like a few like royal families and elite organizations, and it's nice that we kind of we're basically bringing the power, the force to not just people that are related to a bloodline. Because throughout, I, mean, I was re recently watching the Last Jedi again, and bloodlines, the the word bloodlines and heritage, and that plays so much into the speeches by by. Um, 
Snoke, who's just like talk, emphasizes um, Kylo's uh, blood relation to Darth Vader, and Ray is the antithesis of this. A nobody, somebody from nowhere, from nowhere planet, from a nowhere background, and it ties into Broom Kid as well. That the Force is now for everybody, and I love that. That, that what this, what the Last Jedi brings, redistributing the Force for the masses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, because even uh, Luke and Leia and everyone kind of mentions bloodline too, especially when they're talking about Ben slash Kylo. It's like, oh, he has this mighty Skywalker blood, but that turns out not to really be anything. And what I kind of like about um, Rey is like a lot of the people online are saying it's a reverse uh, Padme and Anakin a bit. Because Rey is like Anakin in the fact that she's a nobody from nowhere and like from a desert place and is kind of tied to like the royal family that's supposed to be this big grand sweeping epic like oh they're gonna be whatever um but in fact like it's the same as darth vader who was just like he was just some kid who missed his mom and then he turned into a jedi yeah <laughs> and it's like so many people would have been pissed off if it would have been a moment to be like haha they're twins you've seen this already like it yeah i didn't see how that could be a good narrative twist would be like they're related like they were in the other movie and it's like no and especially because yeah and especially i mean they they already did the solo twin thing in the original expanded universe and that didn't go so well (laughs) at least for the sun you can't stop of the surprise twins like it's just it's nothing new and that was so all of the criticism, well, not all of it, but a lot of the criticism around The Force Awakens was that it wasn't original. Okay, well, we'll take that and give you a lot of original stuff. And then they'll have a, a pissy fit about it. Cause, yeah, exactly. Uh, one, of, one of the reasons I think a bunch of people didn't like this film is because it seemed like uh, uh, Ryan Johnson and the, the Lucasfilm story group were looking at, oh, these are all the fan theories that are out there about what's going on. Let's just, mm-hmm. like ignore all of them and do our own thing you know let's not do a fan service thing well and, he wrote it at you know, the same that time that happen, the uh... like, why aren't you spoon feeding me my story right you know i don't want to think i want this to go exactly the way i want it i'm like uh I don't know. Well, I, also the fact that it was written at the same time The Force Awakens kind of meant that they knew what they were going for immediately, yeah. right? It's like, mm-hmm. the, like this has been the whole arc of the trilogy has been planned since the beginning. I feel like it couldn't have done that any other way, uh, especially yeah, with yeah. Disney at the helm, where it's like, no, like this, we need to make this amount of money this way. Like, tell us your plan for the next ten years. And these, there are a bunch of people out there that saying that uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Ryan Johnson, multiple ways. Yeah, Ryan Johnson uh, gave a big old dirty middle finger to JJ and said, ha, I'm going to undo everything that you did. It's like, uh, JJ has been involved with the story making since he came on board. He was the executive producer for the film. Also, There's no way that he's going to let Ryan Johnson undo what he wanted to do. And also, he every time you interviewed him, it was like... He's coming back for nine. And that news got released recently, but I feel like that was something that they had to have had building for a while. What? That That J.J. was coming back to Disney. Oh, yeah, I thought that was here, too. But, yeah, I remember when they were talking about The Last Jedi and everyone was like, oh, J.J. won't stand for this. And it was like, every time they interviewed J.J. Abrams, he was like, I love it. Like, this is exactly where we wanted to go with it. 
And he's yeah, always like dropping just... hints about how it's been a dark fairy tale the entire time or whatever his quote is. I don't know, Eden, you've heard that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I guess also the people are really kind of getting mad too, especially after Mark Hamill, the, that kind of rumor broke that he and Mark Hamill and Rian Johnson kind of butted heads about the future of Luke's character. And that kind of validated a lot of fanboys being like, ha ha, see, like you and Mark Hamill hates it. Well, that, that wasn't a rumor. They actually, Luke came out and said, you know, the interview in the interview was, he's like, I don't agree with the character arc. I don't think that's what it should happen. But that as my job as an actor is to do what the director tells me. And once it happened, I was like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought recently too, where he said, I wish I would have never said that because all it did was like, make people even more pissed off and like in saying that that was just my point of view like i'm satisfied with where this movie ended up like if i would have known that saying that would have sparked all this i would have never said it which is funny because harrison ford's been saying the exact same thing since empire and people are still like ah it's a good movie as with all things star wars it all depends on a certain point of view okay i think i find it interesting if you ever listen to the dvd commentary uh that you know uh, ryan was pretty much before even the movie was released in theaters, he was defending the season to go with the direction they did with Luke Skywalker because he said, well, the way JJ left it off in that first movie, there was really no other way to take him in. So I see all this fan backlash to Ryan Johnson, the way he did uh, Luke Skywalker. But really, if you're going to be angry about that direction, it falls on JJ. Yeah. Um... Yeah. So I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to do the bad ones first and then the good ones, but like, what do you think, what is a legitimate criticism of the film and like kind of the new trilogy that you see and which is like your least favorite, like the one you've heard where you're like, oh, come on, like really, like you're just reaching for straws because you want to be mad about something. You underestimate the power of the dark side. If you will not fight, then you will meet your destiny. I feel like the... The romance between Rose and Finn is uh, underdeveloped. I feel yeah. like we don't really get to have the, get have them kind of build up that romantic tension between the two we see with between Han and Leia throughout the original trilogy. And so when that kiss kind of comes out of nowhere, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I I like Star Wars for its corniness. That's one of the reasons why I like yeah. it. But even then, I was like, okay, that's maybe fast tracking that a little too fast for me. So that's one of the main criticisms I had for at least the last Jedi. My criticism is also about (laughs) Rosen Finn. I just, I thought the story was really boring. Like, I feel like the times where I felt like the movie lagged is every time it went back to Finn and Rose, I just wasn't invested in their story or their characters. And it was a little disappointing because I liked Finn. He was a stormtrooper that, you know, like, decided to leave and like go off on his own and I feel like they haven't really explored why he would leave or like what made him want to leave they kind of just threw him into something else with a character that I still don't really care about and it was kind of disappointing but Canto Bite was a cool like scenery like it looked really cool visually but I just didn't care about all that okay I'm gonna go against the grain uh I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say that 
there really right now at this point isn't that much of a romantic relationship between uh, Rose and Finn. I think where it is right now, it might be a little bit more one-sided on Rose, uh, where where Finn is probably just coming around to realizing his stake in the whole thing, because that was sort of his character arc. He was trying to get away the whole time, again. Uh, but he got roped back in by circumstances and realized that there are other people to care for besides Ray. So I don't think there's that much, you know, I think people are putting a little bit too much into that right now. Uh, it just depends on how much time is going to elapse between uh, The Last Jedi and uh, Episode Nine. Uh, something might happen there. There might be some tension. You never know. Uh I think I think the relationship between uh, Poe and BB-8 was more developed than Rose and Finn. It was so cute with the belly scratches. Oh my gosh, that was, you know, uh, I had a friend who was like, "Oscar has have chemistry with though." Come on. Yeah, I had a friend who was all like, "I'm not going to see the film unless they really develop the latent homosexuality behind Poe," and I'm all like, <laughs> "Well, they really went with the latent." Uh, Robo sexuality or he's like a know? cat dad. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> but I love him. I love I love the whole BB eight thing. Yeah. yeah. Um I guess but, uh, my criticism well, or... my, I I gotta criticize something yet though. Good. I think if there's one thing that I have to criticize about uh, episode nine, and it probably has a little bit to more you know, a little bit more to do with hindsight than with what actually happened was the whole uh, Mary Poppins thing. Uh, Everyone's so Mary mean Poppins. about that, but that's in the canon. Oh, I know it is. It's to it totally is. I just think... I love Carrie. She probably was really excited about that or else she wouldn't have done it. So oh, like, I know, perfect. I know, I know. But see, here's the thing. I think they just, they left themselves open to too much criticism for it. Yeah, especially the whole hand thing. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of people well, in, my, in the I audience the first time I watched it that were like, Ooh. But the whole hindsight thing is, is that she's, you know, you, you kill off two characters in your trilogy and the actors are still alive. The one you, the one you leave alive is now dead. You know, it, it's kind of like, what, 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 what are they going to do? I don't know. I don't really have that much criticisms for it. I, I find it very hard to criticize Star Wars films sometimes. So the current rumor is that Meryl Streep may take over yeah, Leia's role. Oh. oh, that's not a rumor. Oh, it's total fake news. Okay, just if making sure. Defini big definition of fake news. It's this thing. That all. That all started because some fan friends, site, right? some fan site somewhere started a petition. They started a petition to get Meryl Streep to take her place. It started getting reported by other fans, and then one big okay, media movie site picked it up and ran it as a completely unsubstantiated yeah, no yeah. And it all snowballed from there. It's, I mean, this is the very definition of fake news right there. Yeah. Um, I guess There's, my criticism would be kind of, 
I get the Canto Bright thing, but I also get that's kind of like what they were trying to do with the prequels a bit was to do like, look at all these zany characters and all these new places in Star Wars. Um, so it kind of felt like a nice nod. I do kind of get the criticism of like, you know, the sequels don't really talk about the prequels as much. Like we all get it. The prequels are a big embarrassment, but they're still there. And they're going to have to bring Hayden Christensen in to talk to like Ben or something in the third movie. Cause now oh that Leia is dead. Like they're going to have to bring that dude back in. Um, but who said that the prequels were an embarrassment? Well, like there's just kind of that feeling like within fandoms and stuff. It's like, Oh, the, pre like you saw the Natalie Portman skit on SNL recently. Oh, I love the Natalie Portman skit on <laughs> SNL. <laughs> but, um, so I do kind of like that they did that with Canto Bright. It kind of felt like a throwback to the prequels, or at least what the prequels were trying to do with like a little less annoying. Um, my one criticism would be of, I didn't like how, and I'm going to mess up her name, but Amelin, Amelin. Laura Dern. Uh, uh, yeah. Amy Lynn uh, uh, Holdo. Yeah, Amy Holdo. Holdo. I didn't like how she went about that. Like, I mean, I understand, like, what they were trying to do and be like, yeah, feminism, Poe. But I, from looking at it from where I was sitting, I was like, that's kind of annoying. Like, you could have just told them outright, like, hey, guys, this is the plan. There was no, like, there wasn't a mole on board. Like, there was no worried about that. Like, they could have just been, hey, this is what we're going to do. But instead, she kept it quiet and made them think something else. Like, if I was on that ship, I'd be worrying, too. I'd be like, what, bitch, what are we going to do? Like, we're going to die. Like, well, the mole didn't happen until Poe called Rose and Finn to yeah. tell them what was going on. And DJ overheard it. Yeah. That's where the mole was. That's where the leak was. Like, yeah. yeah I, um, uh, my, I, another criticism I have for the movie, my other big criticism, is I do not like Benicio Del Toro's uh, performance. I thought it was, he was really distracting. I, I almost felt like he was trying to do deep the film with all the texts. It got on my nerves and I understand maybe that's the point of his character, but it's just, I was like, I, I want to fast forward through his parts every time I watch it almost. <laughs> There were a lot of yeah. new characters. It was kind of overwhelming sometimes. It's really cool that they're like creating all these new characters and like everybody's adding their new storylines, but it's also kind of overwhelming sometimes. I was like, I mean, one or two new characters would have been like just fine. Well, also, it was like freaking Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Like every single like minor character that walks in, you're like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, it's that guy. Joseph Gordon-Levitt had a cameo in this. And so Tom Hardy had a cameo. Like, all these other people. Like, everyone's just been trying to, like, throw their, like, ring into the new Star Wars because every, like, fanboy's grown up now. Which, yeah, if I was an actor, I'd be like, please, I want to be a bot. Like, anything. Just throw me in there. Like, there were a bunch of cameos in The Force Awakens, so... Yeah, like, and so... I don't know. I thought that was funny, but, um... I mean, Daniel Craig was a stormtrooper. Yeah, true. Yeah. I like that sometimes it's not obvious, though. Like, Daniel Craig, I didn't know that until, like, news, like, reports were out about it. Um, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like, he played a creature, so I didn't know about that until, like, news reports came out, and they were like, this is who he played. Yeah, but even, like, some of the minor actors, like, it, they had the actress from um, Chewing Gum, who was in the first episode of the yeah. new... Yeah. yeah. And even just for a second, I was like... There's a lot of little Game of Thrones cameos, too. Yeah. Um, like, Lysa Tully and stuff. Yeah, that was... That was fun. Um, I'm gonna, do you guys want to take a break? Because I'm going to go get some water real quick, but then we can talk about the stuff that we did like. Okay. okay. That's going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Don't give in to hate. 
That leads to the dark side. Cool. All right. So now the more fun part that's going to take, I think, about probably two hours. Um, what did you like about The Last Jedi? And what do you think that it did really well? And how did it add to the Star Wars universe, you think, in a positive way? I'll start. <laughs> Smoke them if you got them. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the film and the, and the fact that it turned the entire universe uh, on its on its ass. I mean, it just turned it completely over. Uh, it it undid. I don't know if it really undid anything, but it just uh, really wiped the slate clean for you know future future stories. I think. You know, when everybody was talking about the the Force Awakens coming out, everybody kept using the word reboot, and I was like, "It's not a reboot; it's a sequel." People, why do you keep using that word? You know, because everything else is getting rebooted these days. But I think, if anything, this was a reboot for the saga. Uh, it it's clearing the way for a new new generation, a new new group of heroes by slowly eliminating the old ones one by one. But <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, it was, it was a, a beautiful film. It was an original film. Uh, it was completely out of the mold for any star Wars movie. Yeah. You can look at it and say, okay, this came from empire. They got this little bit from, uh, you know, return of the Jedi. They got, you know, there's always going to be those little subtle clues in there, but uh, you know it. It was an original film, and it's what it's what the uh, the franchise needed. Uh, even more so, even a more original film than than Rogue One was. Yeah, I mean, Rogue One was completely uh, you know out of the box for for the Star Wars saga, and that was a wonderful film too. Uh, uh, so I think this is just a really, uh, a nice clean slate for them to work with. Do you have anything in particular that you liked about it that you would want to mention? Oh gosh. Uh, I love the Holdo maneuver. Mm -hmm. uh, oh yes. The, whole, the, the cinematography behind that, the, the simple fact that she did it, uh, and of course, there there are fans out there that are saying that it completely undoes everything in Star Wars because now you can just slap a hyperdrive on a ship and shoot it at everything and blow it up. Uh, now they can't. But that was beautiful. Also, just uh, shut up. Just shut up and eat the popcorn. Like. Oh God, yes. Uh, the whole the whole opening sequence with the uh, the the bombers was beautiful. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, the the fight at the end, the the you know the, the the visual cues that you don't see until of course you know what's going on about Luke not being there, uh, you know he doesn't leave footprints mm -hmm. uh, in the assault, you know you, you don't catch that until oh yeah, you know it's just all these wonderful beautiful things that they did to make to make a very very good movie, you know. Um, I really, really, really 
loved Mark Hamill's performance. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, under the disrespect for the men that won the, for, was it Gary Oldman that won the I Academy do. Award? I mean, disrespect. I feel like Mark Hamill delivered the best performance of 2017, hands down for me. And I think that's one of the reasons why the direct, the direction they took Luke with was sold to me. And I rewatch it in the subtleties and the spatial movements. And, 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 and it's just a very subtle, very impactful performance that really sold the film for me. That felt like one of the biggest genre snubs ever. And I think it's not a surprise to say like the Academy doesn't like genre movies. They don't like the fact that get out was even nominated for Oscars this year is amazing. Cause it's essentially a horror movie. That's like people were taking very seriously. But I remember yes. reading an article that was saying something to the extent of like Mark Hamill has had this opportunity that no or very few other actors have, which is to come back to a character nearly 40 years after you've left it and to reprise it and play them at the same age and make up a 40 year history in between. And he does that so well. And the fact that he wasn't nominated for anything kind of like, it, it was just a slap in the face. It, like the politics behind it were very obvious when they did not give him a nomination. So differently. And he put aside his biases. Like he did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the, the fact that he didn't get a nomination felt very political and kind of like, crappy on the Academy's part because it was like, oh, we don't take this kind of stuff very seriously outside of technical and editing, which is not how you should treat films and especially not how you should treat genre films because something like Star Wars has the potential to impact culture way more than what was that Gary Oldman movie. Uh, a new yeah, Hope was nominated for Best Picture when it came out. That was out. in the that 70s, was, though. In the 70s, yeah. it was like it went by popular movies and not by the political game of trying to be like, oh, well, if we meet these minimum requirements and throw a ton of movie money at this like indie like kind of movie that rich people are making, then it'll get a ton of attention. Like Rocky Horror Picture was nominated for Best Picture in the 70s. Why? <laughs> I mean, we uh. won't go there. <laughs> Um, well, I just alienated my audience. <laughs> uh, well, one thing I did want to talk about with you, Robert, because I think this is also a really good part of the movie, too, was, um, and I really liked your kind of commentary, I've seen you talk about it, was uh, the throne room scene. I know what I have to do. <sighs> you think you can turn him, pathetic child. I cannot be betrayed. I cannot be beaten. I see his mind. I see his every intent. Yes. I see him turning the lightsaber to strike true. And now, foolish child, he ignites it and kills his true enemy. What you say, mm, that you only meant well, well, cause you did, mm, what you say, mm, that it's all for the best. Which, uh, with Ray okay. and Kylo, which is, I think, probably the best probably. scene in the movie. Uh, I think the only thing that's missing was uh, the Freebird soundtrack, and I'm <laughs> glad that we got that guy on Twitter uh, out of that, that was fantastic, but... Yeah, I mean, like I said, in preparation to every time I watch a Star Wars movie, a new Star Wars movie, in preparation, I kind of go back and I watch a bunch of 
And I really like the fight choreography and the way it's shot is reminding me a lot about those of those films. And of course, it also takes off after other Onichiambara, like Zatoichi, you know, these other samurai movies and martial arts movies. And he purposely he quoted those influences. And you can tell the long shots, the minimal use of CG, the... I mean, the only stunt performers there were the Praetorian Guards. And it's amazing how those stunt performers were the real MVPs of that scene because they their skills made sold the motions that uh, the Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley were doing. And it was just so beautifully executed, so beautifully shot. I really love the detail when, um, when I think uh, Daisy Ridley whip, whips the whip, the vibe, Fiber whip or whatever it's called mm-hmm. to the screen starts burning up uh, Snoke's red screen and then it starts embering it everywhere. It's just it visually pops and it's a perfect example of how to do visual storytelling well. Yeah, I didn't even notice that the screen burned because of that actually until you just mentioned it. I I always thought like, oh well, why is why are all the windows there suddenly? And then it was like, oh, that was actually a screen because Snoke is extra and wanted to just hang tapestries all around him. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is extra in the first order. Oh god, <laughs> the thirst order. If you just it's check the Twitter, so extra. it's like gold robe. He looks like gold member, like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like the bit that um, the Stalter critic did a he, he does he, he does the reviews where they all dress up as the characters and they had Brad Jones the cinema snob as Snoke and he had God. makeup on but he had the gold the gold robe and he started acting like Hugh Hefner and spoke like Hugh Hefner oh and it was, like, it was the funniest shit I've seen. Um. So I'll bring it up, too, because I just wanted to talk about it, because I really kind of like this aspect of it. Um, I brought it up a little bit earlier, but talking about um, Adam Driver and kind of Ben Solo and kind of this idea of modern masculinity. I, I know that sounds silly, but I really like um, his portrayal of it because it feels more accurate, kind of, to how I think a lot of men feel now, especially with kind of that whole angry white men kind of phase and idea of like being so driven by your yeah. emotions but not having a place to put them because you weren't nurtured to be emotionally intelligent as a child. Um, even though, like, that's not really an excuse to commit genocide, but it's a fairy tale, so we'll talk about it later. But, yeah, there, are, there are a bunch of angry white men that hate this movie, so... Yeah, yeah um, but I kind of... I was thinking about this the other day, but comparing him to Han Solo's character and, like, how he compares to his dad, because, like, that's a lot of what people kind of get mad about is like how could he be Han Solo's kid and be like this much of a people always want to say like he's a wimp or like he's a blah 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 and they don't they think that he's not as cool as his parents but when I kind of watch the movie I really like that because just because Han and Leia were really good at what they did in the trilogy doesn't mean that they're necessarily good at raising a human being I actually think that they would be very terrible at it so it's not a surprise that their child is the villain They, uh, I, I, I think one of the last books that just came out, I think it was, uh, 
the last book in the Aftermath trilogy finally had uh, Ben Solo being born. And there are not a lot of books that, not a lot of books in between uh, the time that, uh, that uh, Kylo or that Ben was alive. Uh, and the books that are out, he's not in them. Because he's he's away at Luke's academy, you know. Yeah. So, you know that that right there is sort of an indication of how good their parenting was. They sent him away, is you know. Uh, yeah. They, they really don't say when, but you know he got probably got into his angsty teen years, and they sent him away. So I, I'm gonna yeah. plug. And then Han and Leia weren't together all that long, and when they were still married they weren't i mean han was off doing his thing leia was off doing her thing usually with uh dealing with uh the new galactic senate up to a point um you know so they weren't they weren't around you know so that's your parenting right there i'm gonna plug into the podcast that i really love called school of movies and they did this excellent – it's two hours, but it's every minute it's called We Need to Talk About Anakin. And it kind of talks – it was psycho, psychoanalyzing Anakin Skywalker and his influences, not as movie characters, but actual human beings of historical record. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of puts into focus how toxic the Jedi uh, dogma, the Jedi ideology is, that it's just – it's just repression of of basic human emotions so much yes! so that it wrecks you inside. And that's what I and love. Causes you to, and it, it not only that, but it's trying to repress emotions that he's grown up with. Because, again, he was too old. You know, so if you get these kids at a young age, you can indoctrinate them. Well, I hate to use that. No, it's, that that's what they do in the Jedi stuff. Order. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they teach them at a young age to repress all of those emotions. But when you get a, you know, uh, what was he like? I think 19, eight or 10 years old, a 10 year old kid who's been a slave, uh, who has anger issues. They don't really show it in the movie because it was more in some of the uh, stuff that they left out. He had anger issues already as a kid that age. Uh, and uh you know, and then you put them in that kind of environment where you tell them, okay, turn off your emotions. It just doesn't work. Yeah, so, and that's, yeah. that's what I like about this the new trilogy, too, is that it, uh, it kind of shows those parallels a lot more, especially with Finn, and then also having that really ham-fisted line by DJ at the end where he's like, oh, the, they're selling weapons to the good guys, too. Oh, my God, we're all complicit. Like, and... Like that bit, but it was like that's kind of true. Like, and um, especially now is how we're trying to like renegotiate how we talk about men and especially men's emotions and how we deal with men's emotions. I really appreciate the fact that they're being kind of critical of the Jedi Order because they're like, no, like that's not healthy. Like, the whole thing is that you need to be like the darkness is not something to be afraid of, it's something to like take and understand and feel, but not act on. And that's why I kind of like. And we're definitely, sorry, we're going to go into this, but that's kind of what I like what they're doing with Rey and Kylo is that they kind of are each other's balance with that and that she, you see her in the movie kind of have these moments of darkness, but she's holy light. And then the opposite effect with him is that he's kind of this dark emotional mess from 
he went straight from suppressing all of his issues to having them validated in one night to just going straight ham for I'm going to be as emotional, like expressive and terrible as I want to because that's how I get powerful. Um, but in the movie, he kind of realizes that he wants to have something more concrete, I guess. I don't know. I'm fully convinced he's in love with Ray. I'm not too sure if it's the other way around. But you will not convince me that, like, they didn't hold hands and he was like, okay, gonna kill him because I want to be with her. <laughs> but that's kind of what I like. You're kind of seeing Kylo, and at least maybe this is me seeing it as a woman, and I know that's like people are like, oh, she might just be saying that. At the same time, I can kind of recognize this emotional journey they're trying to put him through of, like, yeah. there needs to be a balance. And the same thing that's happening with Ray, Like, she doesn't want to admit her past or her trauma, but he makes her say, like, your parents are nobody and you know that. And she's finally like... Yeah, I do know that, and so that... I, I want to go... They were nobody. They were filthy junk traders. Who sold you off for drinking money. <laughs> the dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert. You have no place in this story. You come from nothing. You're nothing. <laughs> but not to me. Back and, and watch the film and count how many times... Uh, Kylo says, say it, say it, yeah. or, you know, something to that effect, because that seems like that's all that he said. That's going to be the there, I know. Yeah, and like, that's a big fan meta in itself that we could spend another hour talking about is like their dynamic and especially how people have been reacting to it. And Eden and I are on the same page and have been sending to their like cutesy Tumblr things for like the past five months because we do like them so much. But um, I do like how they're kind of building this relationship to be you know, in the very, very beginning, like the prequel movies, like the bad yeah. one, and that didn't help anybody. And then, then the middle movies, it was like the good one. And then that didn't help anybody because look, you took that kid and you messed up a perfectly good kid. He has anxiety. And now there's a first order. Um, but, and now, but with this new one, I think what they're going to have to go with, because I, I don't really see it ending another way that would be satisfying is that they kind of have to end it with just being gray because that's the only way the Skywalker saga can end to me. I don't think it can end with them being, oh, we're going to be fully light again, or oh, we're going to be fully dark again. It's going to have to be something in the middle where it's like the individual and choice while also like being a good person. I don't know. I don't know. People that, <laughs> I, I, I get kind of nervous when people ship, uh, uh, do the, the Raylo shipping. Because I'm all like, man, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment if uh, they turn out to be brother and sister. Because yeah. that hasn't happened um, before. No, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I feel like what they're doing with Raylo is so different. And, like, I, I don't know. If they end up together or not, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I'll be a little bit hurt because I'm a fangirl. But also, their dynamic is just important because it's smarter than any other dynamic Star Wars has ever had. Like, I think... People that are turned off or people that don't like Kylo or people that don't like the fact that they brought them together. There's probably a nicer way to say this, but I think those are the kinds of fans that aren't really like smart and kind of like reading into it. Like, you know what I mean? They're not the type of fans that are going to like break it down and think, oh, well, like, why would they bring them together? Like, what's the meaning here? Like, where's the depth? Like, what's the like? If you are smart and like smart writing and like exploring characters and like digging and exploring characters i think you'll like kylo and you'll like ray and you'll appreciate what they bring out in each other and what they're able to um like help the other come to it's i don't know i like 
for fangirl reasons, yes, I like Raylo, but <laughs> it's also just really smart writing for, and you know, like Han and Leia, that was fine, that was cool, like that was satisfying too, but I mean, there was never much depth there. It was just kind of like the two attractive characters that weren't related, that like opposites attract, and you know, that's kind of They all, just really wanted to have sex, and then they got pregnant. Right. <laughs> like, I think they were that couple that, like, you have in your neighborhood that, like, is on and off constantly, but they're always fighting, but they have a kid together, and they're only together because they, like, got in a car crash together on spring break or something. <laughs> like, there's some trauma that's binding them. <laughs> they, got, they got stuck in a space slug one afternoon, you know, come on. Uh but, uh, yeah, no, um, and I know you have thoughts on this, too, because we've talked about it, but, uh, yeah, what do you think of their dynamic? Robert? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, um, I mean, as far as the shipping is concerned, um, like I said before, Star Wars has kind of been, I mean, I'm, I don't know too much about the EU, but at least in the films, it's been pretty sexless. At least to what me. was our like, count? We found like, like seven. It, it was seven, right? I think no. I, was, I did another count, and I was like, like, "We have one more," but I can't remember. Yeah, it's like like Padme. People that we know that had had sex in Star Wars: <laughs> Padme, Anakin, Han, and Leia, uh, Maz Kanata, and then we had another, and and Bale and his wife, yeah. Organa. And so then, there's seven people in Star Wars that we know that, has had, that have had sex. Wait, how do we know that Bail Organa and his wife Because they were sex? trying for a baby but couldn't have one. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> That's they, it. They didn't have procreative sex. Okay, there you go. All right. Yeah. I think I thought of, like... Jonathan has said, though, that that hand-touch scene and the throne room, like, are the closest things fans are ever going to get to a sex scene. So, like... That's what he was trying to get across with those things. Yeah. I One of the funniest things I, I saw about Kylo was, like, it was talking, it was a BuzzFeed article, so, you know, height of journalism. But it was, um, <laughs> it was listing the Star Wars men as, like, fuckboys. <laughs> and Kylo's was, um, like, really good over text and when you first, like, hook up, but then, like, he just learned how to neg. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, Pose was one where it's, like, he calls you toots and you're angry because it works, but... <laughs> <laughs> or you get slapped multiple yeah. times. <laughs> oh, yes, I love that deleted scene bit. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. And even, like, Poe, there was smart writing there, too. Like, he was just kind of introduced as, like, another Han Solo, and that was probably going to be his arc, but then they kind of turned that on his head, and they were like, you need to stop being such a flyboy. And it was women telling him to, like, get his head out of his ass. Like, Princess Leia and Holda were like, this is bigger than you. Well, they, they I, were I love the scene gonna, where... Uh, they were I love the scene where... Oh, in uh, The Force Awakens. The what? Yes, and Isaac said, I want to do this movie, but only if I get a bigger part. And J.J. Abrams said, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did Carrie say that? No, uh, Oscar Isaac... Oscar Isaac. ...was offered the part of Poe, and he said, I would love to do this, but... I don't want to get killed off in the first 10 minutes. And JJ said, okay, I'll fix it for you. And you have to. Um, I like, really love the, go ahead. I really love the scene. I really love the scene where we first get introduced to Holdo. And it's a character we never seen before. And we see this woman 
very softly spoken in purple hair. And and then um, uh, Poe is talking to whoever his alien friend is. He's like, that's Admiral Holdo? And it's kind of like that moment. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a guy where I had the same thought. I'm like, whoa, that's kind of different. I didn't not expect that. And it's kind of like me and Poe being on that same page at the same time. I thought it was a, a really, really kind of a good moment there. Yeah, I did uh, appreciate I, how I, soft Fem Holdo was, despite being the, um, like, next in charge military lady. She was very, like, you could tell. She and Leia, like, I don't, they were the only generals out of uniform who you could tell, like, had a routine in the morning. <laughs> uh, if there was, uh, the book that uh, Holdo is introduced in, the first time that you see her, uh, it's, it's called Princess Leia, and it was a very good book. Uh, it's, you know, it's, Leia is 16 years old uh, in the book, and she's going through her training, you know, her her royal training and everything. Uh, when you when you meet Holdo for the first time, the impression that I had of her was is that she is the Luna Lovegood of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and nice. you sort of have to read the book to understand it because she she was really kind of just like out there and you know she was very much into the weird hair thing and she always did the she 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 meditated a lot and she did a she was just very unusual so i was like uh yeah she's kind of like luna lovegood also because i just read the harry potter series um, too for the first time so uh yeah um I, I i think it was ryan johnson doing the commentary said that they were originally for holder were going to make her much more like a hippie and mm -hmm. I, I was like, I'm kind of glad they didn't go down that yeah. round. They kind of toned her down a bit for that. I like a little, yeah. I like that she was kind of more like space pastel goth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was kind of her look. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like other things that I, I liked in the movie. I mean, we, we haven't talked about the scene at the end with uh, Luke and Kylo that we did, I mean, just briefly about the visual cues with it and kind of the things people missed. But I really liked that yeah. scene. I think people were like, oh, like the, they got, I mean, this is mostly the people who were just looking to be mad about something, but um, they were like, oh, that was just cliche with the red. It was like, we get it. But I, I really liked that. Um, I kind of liked the clean yeah. slate and then ending it with this huge mess. And um, even just being like, oh, it's salt. <laughs> like you could tell that was made for like a reaction meme for when the haters came in. Uh, <laughs> like, but that was the, uh, the director for Rogue One. Mm -hmm. oh, it yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Who said that? Who said that line? Hell yeah. <laughs> There were a lot of Sorry, nerds trivia in those final scenes. We had Robert Eggers was there of Wit of the Witch, and oh, they had nice. a couple other guys there. Uh, Simon Pegg oh, was also in those. No, not Simon Pegg. Uh, Edgar Wright. There you go. So they just they got had, all the there directors. There was like a bunch of like directing cameos in those final scenes. Nice. Oh man. Yeah, and I I even like the. Uh... I like the tantrum throwing, like when he's fighting his uncle, and like I don't really know how they knew to follow the foxes though. You could have thought that Luke could have been like, "Hey guys, I'm gonna be here as a distraction. Go ahead." Um, but I even like the end where Ray just like the floating rocks bit came up again. Um, I yeah, I will say that I, I love the I love the 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I love the setup to that that lifting rock scene. Mm-hmm. Is when he she's talking when she's talking about the force. Luke for the first time on Octo. She's like, okay. Luke's like, what is the force? He's like, oh, it's yeah. a power that lets you control people's minds and lift things. And Luke's like, the force is not about lifting rocks. And it's that right. little line there that gets a good payoff in that yeah. in that final scene on 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 um, on why am I blanking out on the salt plant name? Great. I yeah. love that scene because it's got like that comedic payoff with like the lifting rocks and it's a pay- like it goes back to her conversation with Luke. But it's also like an emotional payoff because Luke is like, everything you just said was wrong, haha, that was funny. But he says like, um the the war is just beginning, like the resistance is gonna rise up, um, and I'm not gonna be the last Jedi, and then it pans to her. And like Ryan Johnson just did so good at making this lifting rocks nostalgic and funny. Like he just played up on all the right emotions at all the right times. I also, and you said this on Facebook too, Robert, like um, the way they shot Luke's explanation of what the force was. And when Ray was describing it was really good visual storytelling um, because I think that the force has been talked about in all the other star Wars movies is like this big mysterious thing and seeing it just being that reductive, like it's just balance. It's life and death. It's cold and hot and safety and warmth. And like, it was just really clever and really simple in a way that made it really, really work and kind of stay with you. Um, And it it, it stood out too, because I had never seen star Wars use that kind of storytelling with the quick jump cuts and like just changing it like that. And I, I really liked that. That simplicity and that elegance really carried over to like when Kylo and Daisy Ridley uh, Ray are talking through each other with the Force powers. Like when they're having the concept originally drawn out, they have like crazy special effects, blue effects. But what Ryan decided to do is we're just going to have the conveyance of the of them speaking across the galaxy just through the actor's reaction, and we're just going to cut back to the reaction. And how he did that is when they were shooting the scenes from Kylo's point of view, they just off camera and costume, uh, talking back and really, really liked how it was kind of back to the basics, kind of very keep it simple, stupid. And it was kind of like Canto Bite as well, that kind of simplicity. Mm-hmm. They were talking about the the designs of the costumes, and they were they were very lush. It was very beautiful, but the designs weren't too. They weren't like gaudy simple stark colors and stark lines so you could make out so I really I I, I'm in love with the visual language of this film and the cinematography. I mean even just the the movie and like screenshotted a bunch of my favorite shots and they're all like a hundred and fifty of them. It's it's gorgeous. Even just um the choice to make Yoda a puppet again felt so good oh man it was so nostalgic these movies can be nostalgic without being like they can be nostalgic while also being original and i think that's why this movie is going to be like looking back this movie is probably going to be better received later on because it is nostalgic but like in ways like that with bringing yoda back as a puppet but it's also still very fresh. Well, there's also, and this is kind of more so in like genre films like science fiction and fantasy, like there is something to be said about doing practical visuals really, really well. Like you will never have another Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park holds up for the same reason like it did in 1993. Like it's still amazing that like they managed to put like people in velociraptor costumes and like, cause it still looks very real. And I think that that's going to be something that people are going to remember about The Last Jedi is that 
the throne room scene was done with minimal CGI. Like that was all a one shot done, like with the choreography, like the Yoda puppet, like going back to like the beginning. But because that was kind of the bigger thing with the seat, like the prequels too, was people were like, uh, why'd you make Yoda like this little weird? <laughs> yeah. And, Cause but, it's kind of hard to throw a puppet around in a lightsaber fight. I know, but still, fanboys are going to complain. I could, I yeah. could just really pick it. You know, they had the guys off stage and they're just egg tossing Yoda back and forth with a lightsaber. It'd fight. be like an Avenue Q. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, but even like kind of doing that again, I think that's going to like be the thing. Like what you said, Eden is going to make this so well received in the future future as opposed to now is that it's going to be the, the effects were done so simply but the fact that simplicity made them work so well like with just the for, for, like shot reverse shot of kylo and ray and like all that other stuff yeah. but um yeah so i mean i've kept you guys here for about an hour and um eight minutes so i'll end it with like one last question that we can talk about but um what do you think is going to happen in the next movie um and oh, two questions actually. And then finally, how would you rank the Last Jedi within the eight films in the Skywalker saga right now? I'm not going first. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Um, I hope and pray JJ doesn't walk back the stuff that Ryan Johnson. And I know he's on board with the changes, and I really do like how Ryan Johnson played all the nostalgia cards out. He had the he did a send-up to Hoth. He did a send-up to the throne room scene. He played all those nostalgia cards, and he smashed all of J.J.'s mystery boxes. And the only one that, that's left is the one that's interesting, which is going to be exploring the Knights of Ren. So I'm really pumped for the Knights of uh, how he will handle the Knights of Ren. Um, um, we'll see if this is just Disney kind of laying out a few villains for future trilogies, maybe even... So I'm, I'm looking forward to see how JJ can have fun with about a dozen Jedi Knights out there that have, have turned turned to the dark side. We haven't seen any of them, so I'm, I can't wait to see how he handles that. Ranking. What was I think, the second question? Yeah, how, where would you rank The Last Jedi in the current eight movies? Um, man, it's hard because it's kind of hard uh, separating my nostalgia and my, uh, you know, of the original trilogy. So... I may have to rank it just outside of the original trilogy, but if I'm being honest, I might have to get on the bandwagon that is it is better than Return of the Jedi, though I do like I do like a lot of moments of Return of the Jedi, so I'd probably put it three or four. Excuse me. Out of eight. Nice. I think it's really hard to predict where it could go next because honestly, I could not have predicted episode eight. I had no idea any of that was coming. Like Snoke dying, Kylo and Rey, I mean, some things like keeping them separated, like um, Finn and Rey, maybe were a little bit easier to have guessed, but the big stuff that they threw out, I wouldn't have guessed any of that. So I honestly don't know, but I'm really happy that it's JJ coming back. I think um, since he started it, I like that he's going to be the one to end it instead of like Colin Trevorrow, I think, was the original director. Um, I don't know what he'll do because JJ likes to like set up all these questions, like in lost and um like some of the other stuff he's done he likes to set up like big questions like who erased parents like what do the knights of ren look like like where's luke skywalker like he likes to set things up like that um so i don't and now that those things have all kind of been like explored and we know the answer to all those things 
I don't really know what to be he's honest, do though, I'm glad, though, because he seems like the kind of storyteller who can ask really good questions, but he's not so good at fulfilling the answers, as we can see with, like, yeah, the last few like, seasons of Lost. He loves setting up, like, big questions. That, not, like, you no offense, have JJ, time. I have faith in you, and I'm rooting for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a time jump. Um, I, there are things that I hope are going to happen. I don't know if they're going to happen. I hope, um that I, I hope that they pay tribute to Carrie well, but I'm also really nervous about that. I love Carrie a lot and I don't want something cheesy to happen, but I also want her to be mentioned. So I think honestly, that's the most important thing for me for nine is that they do well with that. Um, but I'm kind of just going into it without any guesses so that I can just be satisfied no matter what. <laughs> I think that's part of maybe part of why people were so disappointed maybe initially is because they had all these ideas or they had all these predictions and Brian just made all of them wrong for everybody. So, <laughs> so that I uh, can kind of go into it and enjoy it more. Maybe the first time I'm just, I'm going in blind. Um, as far as my rankings, for nostalgia, four, five, and six are always going to be at the top. Um, maybe like critically, they're not the best three, but in my heart, they're the best three. <laughs> um, and then probably I would say Last Jedi is like four behind the original three. Nice. Howard? Uh, I, I got out of the whole speculation game uh, as soon as people started speculating for episode eight. Uh, because, uh, to, to me, that just puts too much expect, too much of your own expectation in your head. And if you, yeah. if that isn't met, then that leads to disappointment. So I, you know, I, I, I pay, I, I sort of listened to the fan rumors and went, oh, okay, that's nice, but oh, well. Um, so I, I really don't have any predictions or... I do have one hope uh, in sort of along the lines of uh, paying tribute to uh, Carrie Fisher is that uh, the character that her daughter plays yes. has a more significant role, that they bring her to the forefront. They, they, they utilize her as a, as a bigger character. That was going to be I mine. I would really love to um, see that. I really want to uh, see Billy get I, big. I would, you know, uh, because, I mean, oh, the stuff that she said at uh, – uh, the Star Wars celebration after her after Carrie passed away, you know, which just left left you a sobbing mess. Oh my God, it gives uh, me think about it. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, I would really like to see more of her uh, and uh, the development between Poe and B, uh, the relationship between Poe and BB-8. I really think that needs to go in, in the direction <laughs> that it needs to go. Uh, uh, and. Uh, as far as ranking, my stock answer for anybody that tries to ask me what my uh, what my favorite Star Wars film is is I don't understand the question uh, because I, I I I can't rank them. To me, it is all just one fantastic story that has you know slightly different uh, storytelling methods. Uh, yeah. But if you really want to get down to it, I don't think the I don't there is no way that uh, uh, the Last Jedi could ever ever compete with the cinematic masterpiece that is the Holiday Special. Yeah, 
<laughs> Do you have that? Caravan of Courage. What about Caravan of Courage? The Ewok movies that they made in the 80s. Oh. <laughs> what about the oh, German nice. advertisement that Mark Hamill did? Oh, God. Oh, I only saw those Ewok movies once each, and I I barely even remember that they exist sometimes. So. <laughs> uh, um, but... I guess I'll say that I kind of went on the train with y'all too is that I don't want to have a lot of expectations because I've also gone into a movie expecting a ton of things to happen and then when they don't meet every single one of them exactly the way I want them to I get super disappointed. Um, I do have my little fangirly hopes that I'm not going to jinx by saying but I will say that I do really want Lieutenant Connix to get a bigger role if that's like the way they tri tri give tribute to Carrie Fisher. Um, I would like yeah. it if it would be giving her daughter, because if I, I remember reading interviews with her and she was just really, really proud that Billy was doing these movies with her and she like would talk about like, they'd be like, oh, you're making the new The Last Jedi. And she'd be like, yes, my daughter has a bigger role. And that was the thing that she was like the most excited to talk about. And I'm going to get like teary crying and thinking about it now because I'm just like, Carrie Fisher was such a good mom. Um, she was so good besides the drug addiction. Um, but uh, then that added to her come on you know. well i mean like in terms of being a mom because eventually that's essentially that's what took her away from her daughter um yeah was her yeah. addiction which i understand is a symptom of a bigger thing blah 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 um but yeah that's that's my hope is that if they they have to ride around leia um that they give kind of billy like a bigger place in the narrative to kind of be like in a way honoring her mother so yeah that'd be cool but um yeah, guys, this is cool. Do you have any closing thoughts about? Oh wait, my ranking. Um, since I'm not caught in the nostalgia factor, I can say this without any uh, shame: is that I honestly think that the Last Jedi is the second best after Empire. Um, I'll always love Empire because that I, the scene with Han and Leia will always give me butterflies, <laughs> like when they're like doing the hand thing, um, and just how everything's set up, and it's just it's such it's like the it's the best. That in the twin tower, or not the twin towers. Oof. Uh, that in the two towers are probably the best <laughs> middle movies that I've ever seen in trilogies. Is that Empire Strikes Back is my favorite film, like of all time, not just Star Wars. Like that is my favorite film but of all time. If you ask me now, like I would say Empire Strikes Back, uh, the two towers, and the Last Jedi are kind of like they hit the peak of how you make a movie in the middle of a trilogy, like without, yeah. like answer without answering all the questions or not asking a ton of new questions but also leaving it like you're satisfied enough by the end but you still want to know more and so yeah i think that that that's going to be pretty good so um any closing thoughts okay. on star wars or anything who's, as a whole who's looking forward to solo you know i i go back and forth i love the character of han solo i'm gonna see it it's just i don't want it like they I have ups and downs with the um, anthology. It's like, it's really cool. I get more Star Wars, so at the end of the day, like, I'm satisfied. It's just like, are they, do they serve a point? Other than to just be another Star Wars movie for Star Wars fans. It, it <laughs> like, just feels for like. For me, they're cool, because I love Star Wars. But if you don't love Star Wars, like, people are going to be like, what? Isn't Han Solo dead? Also, why is he, like, 20? I like Han Solo, but I like him more as, like, the goofy weirdo in the mo the original movies. I think that a lot of fans try and be like, he's so macho and cool. And it's like, no, he's a goofball who doesn't know what he's doing half the time. And, like, a broken I, car. Um, I, so I'm worried because, like, I, I feel like Han's arc 
was a new hope and it was such a good arc it's like where are you gonna leave him off after solo i feel like you know you can't have him learn the lessons that he does and yeah. i'm not sure what direction you can go they should have just made it a lando movie with donald glover and having me the lead like for god's sake why I, the flip did they not do that that's I'm the only part of so solo excited. i'm looking forward to lando back though that's a really big part of why i'm excited for this movie like Thank you, God, one, for bringing Lando back, and two, for making Donald Glover play the role. Have you, Thank you. The way that he smiles as Lando Cal- Calrissian, like, makes me forget that Trump uh, is president. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. He is, he's just perfect at everything he does, and it's not fair. I, I need to watch that over and over again. Maybe it'll work for me. <laughs> it, it's just, like, the little, the click of his smile. I'm just like, okay, the world's all right. Like, it's fine. Like, What's a nuclear weapon? Donald Glover is smiling. I'm like, maybe, like, I don't know. I mean, like, am I excited for Solo? And I see him and I'm like, yeah, I am. I went to the movies this week and I saw a huge ass poster and I was like, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I also can't help but think they just kind of did it because they wanted to give Amelia Clark a role because she was originally going to be up for Rose, um, but they changed their mind and gave it to uh, Kelly Marie Tran, yeah, which is great because she's great. But um, yeah. I think that they just kind of wanted to be like, well, we want to get Daenerys in here. And so they just kind of, I feel like they wrote that character for her. And I'm like, uh, but um, anyway, yeah, guys, thank you so much. This is so cool. I'm so glad that we had this, this chat. Um, this was cool. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll edit it up and send it to you guys whenever it's first done, but it's an hour and 20 and I'm not going to like take a lot of stuff out. I'm just going to add music and like take out the ums and ahs, but this is a lot of fun. Thank oh, you. Uh, Shout out to John Williams. I love him. I love oh, his yeah, voice. No, it's okay. Um, he was robbed again. One, he, didn't the, he didn't get the Academy Award for it. I lied. I lied. I lied. One last question. Part of why I love Star Wars. His score is so, so good. I listen to the score to go to bed at night. Like, it's soothing to me. I have one last question, oh, and then we will end it. I'm sorry. I feel like I always come up with last questions as soon as I'm like, thanks, guys. Oh, wait. Um... But because I do, the big thing with this series is talking about classics. Um, how do you think that The Last Jedi and maybe even like the sequel trilogy as a whole will be like seen? And we've talked about it briefly, but will be seen in like 20 years or so when we're talking about Star Wars. Are we going to think about it the same way we think about the prequels? Or is it going to be somewhere in the middle? Is it going to be like films in their own right? Are they going to be up with the same with the trilogy? I mean, they're never going to be the original on the same way, but... How do you think, like, in future generations when people didn't live in a time when they were actively making Star Wars movies, which may change because Disney has their grubby little claws in it. Um, but, you know, when you don't have a parent or a grandparent who's like, oh, I was here when I saw the blah, 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 blah. Um, how is Star Wars and especially this iteration of Star Wars going to be viewed by future generations, you think? I think that this is going to be one of those movies that in 20 years everyone will be claiming that they liked it when it first came out, and that won't be the case. I think people are going to backtrack what they're going to say. I think the people that are like, Star Wars is ruined for me! I'm done with Star Wars! Once those first images of the Knights of Ren comes out for episode 9, they're going to be all over that. So, yes. But I think think these are undeniable. Flash forward. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know how they're gonna do a time jump actually because like Hux was already planning a mutiny. That the way that this movie ended, like if it picked up immediately, like minute, like a week after, like it would just kind of be them building the like. I think it's gonna 
be like maybe a year or two with the resistance kind of like up and running again, like not too much of a time jump, but I see like also a time jump would explain Carrie's death. So I do want to, but I, I'm also kind of like, how are they going to explain like the sudden emo-ness of their Supreme leader being like, meh, and like the force connection, does it shut off? But it doesn't, I don't know, but um, sorry. Okay. Someone else can answer. <laughs> Um, I think that this movie will be one of those movies looking back 20 years later like oh the last Jedi like it changed the game for Star Wars like at the time people hated it but now it's so well received because it you know was a fresh like take on the trilogy and it turned the sequel trilogy around and it'll just um if it was received bad by critics then I think years from now like it'd be received bad but critics loved it smart fans no offense smart fans really liked it like <laughs> I think it'll be yeah I think it'll be known as like one of their better movies like one of their more like important movies I think these fans that, are, that right now are all like ah episode eight right my childhood they're gonna be haunted by their twitter feed just like Trump is so yeah <laughs> Because um, Twitter doesn't disappear. <laughs> yeah, I do like uh, people that don't like to be explained why like it's a good movie. Like, and maybe twenty years from now, like they'll have twenty years of people explaining why it's a good movie, and then they'll be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, it is a good movie." <laughs> I I heard someone there was an article saying like at the same time when Empire came out, everyone was like, "What do you mean Luke and Leia are twins?" And like it was a lot of the same reactions to the the choices. But a Jedi Master, that's boring. Like, yeah. Um, uh, we didn't find out that Luke and Leia were twins until Return of the Jedi. There was, there is another. Oh, yeah. There is another. Yeah. There was that, but they're all like, who are they talking about? Well, it's the same thing as, like, <laughs> Maz's thing to Rey in the first movie, where she's like, the people you're seeking are never coming back, but there's still one who can. Right. So. And there was that, like, yeah, Tom Solo, like, who is she? And it cuts away. Like, mm -hmm. all these, like, little serious hints, but then they're just shattered she's no one guy yeah um yeah no one is coming back sorry girl Your parents are dead <laughs> i would like to thank howard eden and robert for helping me do this episode i would like to thank you again for listening to it and I would like to also thank you for listening to any of these, if you did, or if you are still listening to this at all. Um, this has been a really fun project to do. Um, I'm not too sure if I'll continue as I keep going on with my academic whatevers, but um, I had a lot of fun doing it, and I'm very happy that I got to make this my final project. Um, I I'm really grateful that it's now academically acceptable for people like me to just nerd out over these kind of things. So um, if you listen to this, even if it's just the only one you listen to, even if you are pausing it to skip right now, I still want to say thank you. So thank you.
So it is time. For the Jedi Order to end. Time it is. <laughs> For you to look past a pile of old books. The sacred Jedi texts. Oh, read them, have you? Well, I page turners, they were not. Yes, yes, yes. Wisdom they held, but that library contained nothing that the girl Ray does not already possess. Hmm. Skywalker. Still looking to the horizon. Never here. Now. Hmm? The need in front of your nose. Hmm. I was weak. Unwise. Lost Ben Solo. You did. Lose Ray. We must not. I can't be what she needs me to be. Heeded my words not, did you? Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery. Hmm. But weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. <laughs> Luke. We are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. <laughs>